Washed Up Emo sponsors New Belgium Brewing are celebrating their 30th anniversary as company. To celebrate, they're releasing Wild Ride Amber IPA, a happy tribute to their iconic fat tire. Even better, New Belgium Brewing are giving away bikes and gear all year. Find out more information by visiting newbelgium.com. This episode is brought to you by Samsung. Moms help everyone be their most epic selves. So for Mother's Day, help mom be her most epic with Samsung Galaxy Gifts, like a smartwatch with next-level fitness tracking, or the statement-making Galaxy Z Flip 5G that lets mom flex her style. This year, celebrate what makes mom epic with Samsung Galaxy. Uh, welcome to the Washed Up Email Podcast. Uh, my name is Tom Mullen, and Ray Harkins is busy with his child, family, and I am uh, not responsible for any of those kind of things, so I am always free. Um, with me uh, this time is uh, Troy Farmer uh, from the band Speedwell. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, uh, just, I was actually interesting uh you found out about the site and about all this because uh i played one of your records on our first emo night is that correct yeah was, uh, i can't remember what i was what sort of uh, self-indulgent search i was doing but uh, <laughs> speedwell came up and i had no idea what it was but uh a valentine's email playlist something like that it was a uh, you said your first yeah it was our first emo night it was anti-valentine's day so that was the theme right right very appropriate. <laughs> so, um, but uh, no, man, that is a great song. Was that the first song? Was this the seven inch that I'm holding? Um, uh, is that the first uh, off on Sport Records that came out in '98? Is this the first stuff that you guys recorded together? That's the first like official official release. Uh, we did a, a, a like a four song demo that had that same. I think those same two tracks on it as well. Mm-hmm. Were, we uh, recorded ourselves. And then put out on cassette tape. So uh, that's how old we are. <laughs> um, how did you guys? You know, I mean, you got. Where were you from in in Virginia? We all went to James Madison down in Harrisonburg. Okay, duh. So that makes total sense with with Matt. Yeah, Mark. exactly. Our drummer, actually, uh, John Roth, helped start MacRock. Oh no shit. Yeah, you know, I I haven't been in a long time, but here it's changed a lot these days it's much more sort of community based and that kind of thing yeah i it was it was I, I don't know if you've sort of i mean i think i i think i went to the first 10 and i remember it sort of toward the end it really got to be like wow there's showcases from big labels here and that was yeah, really uh, weird because i remember like racing there for the first one to see get up kids open yeah uh, um and like that i mean maybe the, i was trying to really think back like where i bought this like i must have i don't know i don't i did you guys play one year cuz i couldn't find in my booklets of when if you guys had played one of these yeah we played the first one and then um i believe we we may have played the second one as well or i know we played more than one cool but, uh, Definitely the first one. Yeah, it was interesting looking back at some of those like sets and who played the festival. It was sort of, I mean, it was obviously that time internet was there, but not really. I mean, that's where I saw a lot of bands that played, you know, CMJ or South by the next year. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a. I mean, starting that up, I, mean, I wasn't a part of it personally, but it was really exciting, and everyone, everyone who. Uh, you know, started doing that and uh, created the the festival was uh, I don't know. It was really at the time it was like totally innovative and we're you know Harrisonburg. I don't know uh, if you remember, it's a really small sort of farm yes, town. Yes, very very small. <laughs> 
kind of uh, kind of awesome. Yeah, I I loved. Uh, um, there was a um, books book fair that was always that weekend in April. I yeah, forget if. Yeah, yeah. So I went. I forget if it was maybe the first year, or second year. I heard about it, and I love books. I and and I remember going to it, and it was absolutely amazing. And from that point on, I remember when I started to get into the music industry and would come down for work, and you know, I would always convince people to come with me to this book fair, and <laughs> all my friends would come back with like these, you know, handfuls worth of books, and it was just fun. <laughs> Yeah, that was an awesome book fair, and it was out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it was literally on a farm. Yeah, I just I love. They were everyone was so cool there, and prices were cheap, and um, yeah, I just it's. I think if I mean, I'm sure there's instances of that now, but it was something about that that was so organic about Mac Rock and that book fair, and it was like you were in on something. Um, yeah, and that's. I mean, we uh, you know stay in touch with a lot of people that I went to school with, and I, I think I'll. That's, that was something about Harrisonburg that was so. I mean, there was nothing to do there. There was there was literally like, uh, I think there was a bar, and then there used to be a place that actually a place called Jokers. Mm-hmm. That, um, they you know had decent bands and stuff, but it closed down. I think the like literally the year that I got to I went to started going to school there. So it was this like uh, and everything that was done in Harrisonburg had to be done like completely DIY. So. It was all basement shows, and it was all just people throwing bizarre, what would probably be totally lame theme parties now. But it was a, a really great sort of atmosphere of, like, you have to create whatever you want to enjoy. And I love the house shows. Like, the Spaghetti House was such a cool spot, you know. Just, yes, yes. <laughs> just the interesting. I mean, I was looking through, like, Artful Dodger shows. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I saw the promise ring there. That was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> and just the it, it 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 was on the map, and it was you know originally you know people from the mid Atlantic. I went to school in North Carolina. We would drive up, and then you started to see people come from all over um, as it progressed, and uh, just a interesting um, um, time. So it. it it's just that is so for everyone that's listening that's kind of how this all connected and um and you know fast forward you know 10 years you or however many years you uh were at the christy front drive show and i found out that you were there and <laughs> i didn't believe you that you were in speedwell and you had no oh. idea that i knew that you're banned <laughs> right 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 <laughs> um world. yeah now when you guys were around i i i love the um you know, girl guy vocal dynamic like Jejun uh-huh. and stuff. And the band that I was in in college was kind of that same way. Did that just kind of come naturally? How did you guys get together in you know in that yeah. so early early days? We had a you know sort of two incarnations. Um, you know, in, in college, uh, Meredith, who was was who is uh, as a male, not a female, which is always confusing to people. Uh, because not, not a lot of people know men who are named Meredith, and so I think. Am I? Am I? Was I completely wrong in thinking you guys had a girl and guy vocals? No, you know what? It's um, in our sort of later incarnation. Because uh, basically, the the short story of it is we, you know, we had our small college version of our band, and then uh, we broke up right after college because uh, I went into the Peace Corps and mm-hmm. uh, lived in Poland for a little while. And then when we came back, or sorry, when I came back, uh, we started back up again. And, um, you know, we had added a, a bass player because we started off as a three-piece, just uh, me on bass, uh, Meredith, the guy, uh, vocals and guitar, and John Roth on drums. And then we added a bass player. I moved to guitar because, you know, that's obviously cooler. <laughs> um, and then, you know, we broke up. And then when, we, when I came back and we started playing music again and started writing new stuff, we... Uh, recorded an EP with uh, Chad Smith. Uh, I don't know if you know him. I'm totally spacing on the name of the um, on the name of the recording studio in Arlington, but it was uh, really uh, what is uh, Inner Ear. That's what it is. Yes, we recorded at Inner Ear uh, an EP, and we brought in our friend Cheryl Huber uh, to do some backing vocals. Oh, and cool! Chad Smith, uh, who's a really great guy, and is and a part of a bazillion amazing bands and recording and playing and he was like dude she's gotta, she's gotta be in the band why isn't she in the band and 
So he basically browbeat us into making her a member. And, oh, uh, awesome. So she started playing uh, keyboards and, and singing backup in our sort of second leg of bandness. Now that EP was My Life is a Series of Vacations, right? That's yes. Yeah, correct. that's a great EP. Um, oh, thanks. Uh, I was. It was funny. I was listening to it on your MySpace page, which I don't know if you've been to MySpace, but it made my MacBook Pro like almost crash. Which okay, you know what? I think that might be what just happened to Skype actually, because you know I, I I brought it up and it's because uh, I'm afraid that you're gonna ask me something <laughs> that I totally won't remember. <laughs> and our and our drummers, our drummer uh, John, who I keep bringing up because he's uh, he's our biggest fan, <laughs> and he made this MySpace page, which is depressingly uh, called Speedwell R.I.P. Like we're you guys got to make a Facebook one ASAP. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as soon as he hears that, he's gonna he'll be on it. I'm sure. But yeah, you know, I brought the thing up to um to you know have dates and such in front of me because I barely remember myself. And it's yeah, you're right. It's like making my MacBook seize up. It's the fans kicking. I don't exactly. I and it's funny. I like this is a brand new computer, and I was on there. I was like, what is this? 2002. Like yeah, this is I don't ridiculous. Know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, it must be it must be that pop up window that just. Um, uh, yeah. But anyway, th- that's why when I put together, I had because obviously we're both trying to remember these things as we go, and that's why it's called washed up because we're trying to remember all this <laughs> stuff. But you, I mean, seeing I th- I had to have seen you guys to buy this, and it, I must have then in my head put together Meredith being a girl and all these years. But I I actually went to his recent stuff and it's beautiful yeah yeah we uh you know he's one of many people i'm happy to say i'm still in touch with and um yeah he does great stuff just under his own name now it's uh he he recorded his last uh, i think maybe all of his stuff with chad smith at in rear yeah and it's uh yeah he does really really beautiful work yeah, we're going to link, um, to anyone listening, we're going to link all this stuff on the post so you can all check all this stuff out so you're can wondering what we're talking about. Um, and uh, hope to God by then we'll have a Facebook page up because I'm not sending anybody to that MySpace page. <laughs> I don't want anyone right. else having their, yeah. <laughs> their, their, we, their crash. We apologize. We're, uh, we're a meager uh, mid-90s emo band who <laughs> evidently doesn't know how to create a MySpace page that doesn't crash computers. That's okay. Um when you guys release that, let's go back to kind of the, the first sort of incarnation, like 96 to 98. Was that, how did you get in touch with Engine Down, And which I love yeah. that band? That first record still is really impactful for me. And um, if anyone hasn't heard that, that first record, um, they definitely got a little weirder with the lights and stuff. But that first one is so dissonant <laughs> and so aggressive um, that... It's great. Well, how, how did that come about? Oh God, uh, yeah. It's how did that come about? Well, you know, I I grew up mostly in uh, Roanoke, Virginia, not not too far from North Carolina. So, um, and you know, I was in a few bands there and met uh, Jonathan Fuller, who, mm-hmm. you know, he played uh, guitar and sang an engine down, and um, I met him when I when I was in high school in Roanoke through various bands and various uh, mutual friends. And then we both ended up going to James Madison in Harrisonburg and starting various other bands like Speed On and Gin Down. And, and before uh, he started in Gin Down, he was in a band called um, the Sleepy Time Trio. Do you remember uh, that? Are you kidding me? Dude. Yeah, I just, he, he was Sleepy... the drummer for Sleepy Time Trio. Oh my God. Why? See, this is why we do these. So I can yeah. remember. Like, Sleepy Time Trio, Rock Candy? Is like yeah. that has one of the biggest breakdowns from that like yeah. time frame. I I think I saw them at like Lizard and Snake probably at in oh, Chapel wow, yeah. Hill. I think that's probably when I saw them. Um, they're they're amazing. They were uh, they were fucking nuts. They were just insane. And Jonathan specifically. I mean, he uh, I don't know. I think in my mind, you know, when we were. You know, when I came to college, I had no idea what what emo was and mm-hmm. what that. I think it, I think it was all sort of being decided at that point. And for me, he's he, he was hands down just the most emotive, emotional performer that I'd ever seen, especially on drums. I mean, mm-hmm. he fucking tore up a drum set, and like literally and bleeding, and you know, it was it was nuts. It was so 
in the moment, I think. But, yeah. But yeah, he, he was uh, he was in Sleepy Time Trio, and, um, you know, uh, that's kind of how we knew, I knew him, and then um, we just ended up, you know, we we, had, we were friends with uh, all the guys in Engine Down, and ended up going on tour with them, and um, it was 97, 98, something like that, but that was that was amazing. That was uh, an amazing time. That's great. What other bands? I mean, from Roanoke, it's just interesting. I mean, that's such a great thing that you kind of met him in high school, and then you both went to JMU, and uh, it's it, funny how many bands came from that scene. And that what other what other kind of things were influencing you as you sort of put together Speedwell and those kind of ideals? How how did all that come about? Were there any other I mean, bands? But- yeah, I mean, we uh, Speedwell came about. <laughs> I, I met Meredith uh, my freshman year, and we, you know, if if we weren't both uh, heterosexual, uh, and th- we would have just started making out on the spot. I think <laughs> immediate, just such uh, great friends, and just like we both were just you know, nerdily excited about the music that was coming out and just the, the, the way music was changing at the time, independent music. And, and you know, both having uh, backgrounds and, and small bands and were, we had decided in, in theory uh, as soon as we met that we were going to start a band and we decided right away that it was going to be called Speedwell before before anyone played a note or anything because we were both also very nerdily into the, uh, the book Watership Down. Oh, nice. So, for the rabbits and one of the minor rabbits that doesn't really do much is called Speedwell, and we thought that was a pretty kick-ass name. So we uh, totally named our band a good year before we actually started it, and uh, I think it was the, the, my second year and my sophomore year in college. It must have been uh, you know late '95, early '96 that we started playing around a little bit, and we met John, who um, yeah, he was you know. Uh, besides Jonathan, probably one of the most talented drummers that I had ever heard at the time. I was just blown away and have always stood by the uh, the opinion that um, you know a, a talented drummer totally defines a good band. I think. Mm-hmm. Or for me, at least, playing guitar and eventually keyboard and singing, I just need like a need that for the root of a of a song. I think and a root of a performance, and then everything else just builds up around it. So. Mm-hmm. He was totally integral, and then um, the three of us, and I was on bass at the time, the three of us just started writing songs, and uh, most of it at that point was um, coming from, you know, uh, you know, Meredith had a, a bit of a song that he would start, or had started it on acoustic guitar, and he would bring it to us, and we'd, um, you know, uh, play it out and add parts to it and write words, and the, the usual indie band thing. Mm-hmm. But then, um, yeah, we started playing the the, the rich Harrisonburg circuit of uh, variously weird, weirdly named houses, Spaghetti House and Punk House and, uh, God, Corn Rocket. I don't know. We, we all decided that, uh, it, you know, a house wasn't a house until it had a, a bizarre name. Yeah, right. But, That's um, great. Yeah, we started playing those and then uh, not too long after that added uh, Brian Minter on bass so that I could play guitar and played that out until the end of college in that in that uh, lineup nice and then it was it mostly Virginia other than the engine down tour it was sort of regional and then you were like I mean at 98 you said you know what we're done and I gotta you know you went off to the Peace Corps did you ever think that it would come back together I didn't, uh, you know, I don't know about the other guys if they, uh, they and they they were uh, tried to tried some stuff. I don't think anything really stuck that much. But um, while I was gone, not that <laughs> I mean they couldn't do it without me, man. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, but yeah, I didn't really think that we'd do it again. And you know, I wasn't uh, I wasn't actually in the Peace Corps for the full stint. It, I, I ended up going to Poland, which I before I was sent there didn't even know that they needed the Peace Corps so they were at the uh, end of uh, the Peace Corps was sort of winding down when I in Poland when I arrived and the uh, long story short the the people I was working with um, kind of fell apart and they they sent me home Mm -hmm. so I was there for like eight months or something like that long enough to you know confuse my mind with the Polish language and be totally (laughs) blown away by how cool the country is but 
Uh, yeah, so I came back and then, I mean, we didn't start back up for another year or so, but we didn't start in, you know, with the decision of we're going to do this, we're going to have the band again, and we just uh, all missed playing together. So it was kind of organic in that way. That's awesome. You know what? I just, I just like, pulled apart your 7-inch, and I totally now get the cover. It has a rabbit on it. Yeah. yeah. And... A good friend of ours who was a really talented artist, uh, Ben Proctor, like did that illustration. We asked him to do it. But... Yeah, I, I love this. I got your I got your address on here in Harrisonburg. This is great. Oh, that's awesome. That's how old school it is. <laughs> it's got North High Street. I'm not going to give the address. I don't want anyone egging it. Um, <laughs> Uh, this is great. I this is like the yeah. This is really random. Two ninety ninety seven. My name is a killing word. See, emo bands did that. You put the you put some random quote at the bottom just for fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's uh. You know, it wasn't it wasn't as laughable back then. I don't think. No, it was. Now you can't really get away with that these days. I don't no, you told. You totally can't. Uh, I always thought too. The remember when it was really huge to put like m- horror movie quotes before like the first song. I always remember yeah, that with like hardcore yeah, bands. Yeah. Hardcore bands always did that. Um, it's true. It's more of a hardcore thing, I guess. Yeah, that's where I I kind of came from like the hardcore scene into post hardcore and then fell into emo and that's sort of the and then I always thought Harrisonburg too was like the mecca of like scream and math rock. Yeah, there was some good, uh, there was some good math rock out of there. I, you know, Ultra I always Dolphins? thought it was more Richmond. The, the, yeah. what was that? Uh, oh, who was that band out of Richmond? Something I feel like Action was in the name. Oh, kind of, uh, totally forgetting. They were, and and they, I feel like someone started Mile Marker. It was in that band. I can't yeah. think of it. I know. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's constantly, you know, especially living in New York now and, and seeing how gigantic and active and full and rich giant cities can be, it, it mystifies me how many just like talented, smart, uh, amazing people were in this tiny farm town in Virginia. But don't you think it because it was, everyone was together and everyone, because here I feel like we, uh, just had to let everyone, Troy and I both live here in New York, that it's sort of me 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 and there it was i'll help you you help me let's do this together let's try this it wasn't a it you were just doing it for the i mean yes people maybe have had egos and moved and wanted things but i still feel like it was a community you're gonna make me cry man (laughs) no i I totally agree and then like i was saying before with that kind of small town where there's not really that much to do um you totally had to create things and to do that you had to get together with people so it was it was really awesome that way. Yeah, the uh, I mean from meaning let's like I think the second part of you guys that you know two thousand two thousand three that EP were the, was there more touring? I mean I I know there was I obviously didn't know that you guys had you know did you guys actually play with Mineral and and Van Pelt and all those guys? We uh, yeah wow we, did. we played with. We played with all kinds of great bands. That um, who else was there? There was Jimmy Eat World and uh, the Get Up Kids. Four hundred years and earlier. Yeah, four hundred years. They were great. They were great. That was that was uh, those guys could scream. Yeah. <laughs> we had nothing on them. Um, yeah, all kinds of great bands. Uh, oh God, I think our last show um, in two thousand three was at the Black Cat with um, the Dismemberment Plan, which I was always a huge fan of them. Oh, nice. Which I think there's a video. There's only one video I could find actually on YouTube of you guys, and it was I think from the Black Cat. You guys performing your Atlantic. Oh damn! I did not know that existed. <laughs> yeah, I think it might have been your drummer that put it up. Um, that, that that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, were these were these like one-off shows with like Silver Scooter or Van Pelt, Get Up Kids? Were those? I mean, were those all one-off shows? Like, how was the Mineral show? Was that? At, I never got to see them. Oh, uh, honestly, I do not even remember. Nice. It's <laughs> really sad, but uh, that's uh, we played. I mean, that's one thing we were. I mean, we were at that age where you would do really, really stupid stuff that, you know, when, you, when you're when you at this age in, in a band that's totally, you know, tiny and just loves to play shows, you'll um, drive to, I, we drove to, like, for one show, like, 
from Virginia to New York and Virginia to someone's basement in Pennsylvania. And wow. We weren't the best planners in the world. <laughs> I, you know, I think we, we got better as we went. And um, Either we got better at planning as we went or we just got older and didn't want to do it anymore. So we made sure that... Um, you know, there were two shows when we drove 500 miles instead of one. Yeah, I don't know if it's better planning or just more commercially, but um, yeah. But when we first started out, we would we would if someone if someone offered us a show, we would just go and play it. And that was pretty much that was our only criteria. You want us to play it? All right, we will try. Yeah. Any stories from those? Like any, you know, I, I the first Jimmy time I saw Jimmy World, they were opening for Promise Ring at this. You know, Florida State University, like student center, um, you know that kind of thing. Or was there any? You know, th- did you? I could feel something. I could see something. Was there anything from those shows? Did they ever say, "Hey, you guys are really good"? Or was there any sort of interactions? Yeah. You know, weird that you specifically point them out because they, uh, <laughs> the only, not the only, but the well, the only interaction that I, that comes to mind with them is um, their bass player was kind of a dick with me. Nice. <laughs> Probably a super nice guy, and it was probably just a. It was like one of those things where um, I can't remember where the show was, but it was another show that we had. It may have been on tour. It may have been sort of a one-off or two-off kind of thing. But we had we had driven like really far. I remember I can't remember where to, but um, and we just uh, it was one of those things where it wasn't super packed, and we were just playing for gas money basically. And they wouldn't split the they wouldn't split the door evenly with us. They wanted more money. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, I'm going to get, like, a hate mail from Jimmy World. Facebook. I'm sure it'll be fine. But, <laughs> Everyone's hey, like young. Said, Everyone's young. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, like I said, he's probably a really nice guy, and I probably just caught him on a bad time. But I remember going away from that show totally hating Jimmy World, and specifically their bass player. <laughs> Is that Has that changed? Me hating Jimmy World? Yeah. No, I, I don't really hate them. It's like just one of those things where you know, with all of these bands, and it's I feel like it's um, because they're also small and they're also independent, which is a totally beautiful thing. But I felt like when I met people and bands that I that I liked and that I admired, if those people seemed like um, not totally awesome or personally kind of off or socially kind of off. It totally, in my mind, for whatever reason, and this is terrible, like wrote off the band, and, and, and I like couldn't enjoy the music anymore. Yeah, I, I can so understand that. Same kind of thing with Jimmy Eat World, and the you know, uh, just to continue to burn bridges, uh, the the singer and guitar player from Small Factory, who was a, I was a huge fan of, and um, I used to I, I did like a little booking in Harrisonburg and would and do some shows there. And uh, I don't know if you remember the Little Grill. Yes. God, that place is amazing. I honestly, I still dream of their uh, their Mexi Mexi Night Tuesdays. But yes. One day, one day I'm gonna make it back. But they would have shows sometime, and I set up a, a show with Small Factory and someone else. I don't know. And Small Factory uh, stayed with us, and Phoebe, the drummer just the nicest woman in the world totally love her but I, I can't even I've stricken his name from my mind I can't remember the name of the uh, the, the front man he was totally a dick really and I totally and, and, and you just off, like wrote it off I wrote it off I couldn't enjoy it anymore to be fair uh, I think he was kind of a dick because our cat peed on his sleeping bag see so now that's normal maybe that's more you know <laughs> That's maybe that's more our cat than I should. I should give Small Factory a try again. I think. <laughs> I think you should. That's awesome. Actually, I don't know about Small Factory. What um what were what what were they on? What 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 did they sound like? And they were on Simple Machine. Ah, well, I might be. I think they were on Simple Machines. They eventually became the God Rays. I don't know them that? either. No. They were. They weren't emo. They weren't hardcore. They were. They, they are. They were the opposite. They were like pre-twee twee. Uh, so they're really. It was like a drummer and a guitar player. Oh they wow! They did a cover of uh, that Lois song, Valentine, that was kind of a, as much of a hit as hits could be back then. Interesting. But they were they were like you know small sort of DC area. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they were from DC. Maybe I'm just thinking that because of Simple Machines. But um, yeah, they were much more the like Simple Machines, Teen Beat kind of. Uh, Got it. Yeah, that kind of thing. So very unemo. Yeah, 
No, well, that's that's funny. Yeah, the uh, I've had a few instances with that, and since I work in the industry, there's been times where I have to literally block that out, or sometimes I won't do any. I won't do it. I won't go up to somebody because I don't want to ruin something that, um, you know, I will totally regret later, um, and then be bummed out on the record or bummed out on a band. So. That's smart. I, I don't think I was ever that smart. I, 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 uh... I was so nervous, actually. I saw Zookeeper, which is Minerals, you know, Chris Simpson's band, after um, after Gloria record. I saw them at South by one year, and I remember being like so nervous. And there was this other guy my age, looking just as nerdy, watching them and waiting to go up to him. And I was so nervous, and I was like, I don't want to do this because. I just I don't want to do it. I love minerals so much. I don't want to do it. But I ended up just going up to him and saying for five seconds, like, "Hey, thank you very much for making music. Please continue." And that was it. I just was like, "I'm done." <laughs> and he was you know, like, <laughs> "That's the way to do it too." Because uh, you know, recently uh, my wife Katie and I were uh, we were going to a bunch of CMJ shows um, this past October and. Um, we went up to, there was one band that we were so psyched to see, uh, We Are Augustines. I don't know if you've heard them. No. They're great. They're, they're Brooklyn. Uh, but we were really, we had, you know, I randomly stumbled upon them and um, they were playing some of their, some, they played like, you know, obscene amount of shows at CMJ like most bands do. Yeah. And we caught them, we, we caught them like three or four times and uh, Katie, my wife, was especially really into them and I was like, you know, you should go up and, and, and talk to the guy, like the main guy's super charismatic and he's got a really, I'll, I'll, you know, leave it to you and or your listeners to look him up because he's got a really uh, intriguing backstory as far as like the band and their material and what they write about. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a lot of like weird, terrible tragedy in his life. But I was like, you know, you should go up like because they were just hanging around and I was like, you should go up and talk to him. And she's like, no, no, I, would, I don't want to be like that person who's all like, you know, everyone hates that right and I was like no you know like when I was in a band you love that you totally love when people come up and say like thank you for making music thank you and she you know we were walking out and she uh, got off the courage to go up and say like hey you know really great show and he was so appreciative and she was so psyched that she did it that's awesome yeah because you know most people really I mean if they're going to all the because you as everyone well knows, especially now, like it doesn't pay to be in a band. So if you're doing it now, you're doing it because you really love it and you love what you're doing. So when you hear people tell you, you know, you're, what you're doing, I also love. Like, that's, yeah, I, I feel like super important. That's awesome. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the, you know, just those those moments, the band actually digs at it. I saw a random one. I saw swell season near my work. They were walking out of some office and they were just standing there. No one was around them. I'm a huge fan of, you know, the frames and loved swell season. And this is before they sort of kind of pseudo broke up. Um, um, the band after that tragic um, suicide at one of their shows. And, and I literally, I was like, fuck, I don't know what to say. I don't want to be, a, I don't want to be a loser. I literally just went up to him and like kind of startled him a little bit. I was like, Hey guys, I love you. Keep making music. And I just walk, I just started walking and I just hear, you know, Glenn be like, cheers, mate. You know, whatever, you know, and that was it. I was like, all right, man, I got it. <laughs> and I think they were happy that I didn't stop and ask him for a photo or something. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 I guess that's a, it's a, it's a fine line between yeah. stalker and appreciator of yeah. what you do. Or I'm super busy and I just want to say what's up. So. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, you know the other thing I was you know we we share a um, emo diaries as well. I, uh, the band I was in was on number seven. You were a lot cooler. Your band was in number three, which other bands on there are Star Market, who were amazing, Planes Mistaken for Stars, um, Cross My Heart, Sweet the Leg Johnny, and Last Days of April. That's a good comp. Yeah, that comp. Uh, those are some super emo. Not even just bands. Like all of those band names you just mentioned. Like all of those band names are awesome. Yeah. It was always. Um, I, I think it, it goes back to like the fact that we named our band like a year before forming it. Like that was always our favorite thing to do. Was like make up fake band names or you know even like the the names of the songs and names of albums and that yep. kind of thing. It's so much fun. <laughs> But those those guys on that comp that you just mentioned all all won the name band or uh, band's naming game. 
Yeah, right. The uh, what did how did that come about? Where you did? I mean, I I had known Chuck, you know, uh, at Deep Elm and those dudes just from working at a label and 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 being super nerdy. How did how did that come about? Where you guys kind of did you just send in the blind record and song and? God, I really don't. I know uh, John, our drummer. It was through him that it that it happened in the first place. I don't know if it was through somebody new or if he just sent in our demo or what. But, uh, Did you guys just get yeah. a box of CDs and that was it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I literally signed a contract and got a box of CDs. I think it was two boxes of CDs, maybe. It might have been 120, but that that was totally it. Right. Yeah, I think it was the same kind of thing with us. Uh, yeah, we were just like to be on it though. I mean, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's. I mean, it slowed down, but there's there for a while it was people would find that comp, the one that I was on, and they would you know email and and say stuff, and the address is totally some random apartment in on Steinway in in Queens that I do not live at um, anymore. So it's just yeah, the I I just think those comps were we've talked about this before on the on the podcast, but just those comps were sort of how you learned about other bands and how you found out about other scenes and oh who did who did who did Speedwell thank in their CD or who did Cross My Heart thank and well let me check out those bands. Was that the same thing with you guys? Is that how you maybe found out about stuff? Yeah, totally. Uh, I think that's totally true. And we also, uh, you know, John, uh, our drummer, and even, I don't know, a lot of people we knew were really involved with the, the college radio station. Yep. And so I feel like half my friends in college had a, a, a radio show at some obscene hour and were constantly like, oh, you got to stay up. you got to yeah, well, you gotta listen. Yeah, you got to listen. and hear my show. It's going to be amazing. And so I think like uh, pre-internet days, um, or you know, pre anyone besides the Pentagon having the internet days, uh, that that was a lot of how we found out about new bands and music and, and just you know, people. I feel like people who were in indie bands and in emo bands, like you know, you played with really uh, good bands. A lot yeah. of you played with some shit bands too, but they um, like uh, I, I don't know if you ever heard them, but one of my favorite favorite bands in this. Uh, sort of genre that I, I don't think really ever got as much attention as they should have was, um, I'm going to mess up the name, Up, Up, Down, Down, Left, Right, A, B, Start? Or yeah, B, yeah, start. I think it was B, A, Start. Yeah, those guys are great. Yeah, yeah they were, I, they, they were, they did some of the the most solid, like, emo music that I had ever heard. And we, I would, I don't think I ever would have heard them, except we played some show in Pennsylvania with them uh, a bazillion years ago. And I still, like, they're still on my, on my, uh, various playlists i love it still listen to them today that's awesome yeah the uh the i did i was doing college radio and that's how i got in touch with xjm and jm at james madison and ended up going to those mac rock things and i found out that i was doing a hardcore show it turned into sort of you know emo post hardcore these Mm -hmm. high school kids in the town that i was went to college were listening to my show and would call (laughs) in and that's how like I played Newfound Glory for the first time and they were like heard them. It was just, I was playing all this stuff brand new and they were finding out. We ended up being in like a lifetime cover band for like a half a minute. Um, We were called Halftime. Oh my God, that's amazing. (laughs) And so, but like we met all these kids, you know, that were in high school that were into better music and it was just, we all became friends and and it was from the college radio and them just listening and uh, I did a metal show and these random, I was at a practice space and these random guys heard me singing in the band I was in and came knocking on the door and said, we recognized you from the, from the metal show. And it was like a, like a black metal band or something that we're practicing. And, oh, wow. but just like, that was how you, I agree 100%. That's how you found out about it. Um, yeah. And that's a, you know, that's, it, it's the same kind of, I feel like I feel like the the college radio show is the equivalent of the music blog of today. Yeah, you know you don't you don't know who's listening and until someone calls or until someone stops you on the street or, or someone leaves a comment on your blog or that kind of thing. But when it, when when they do, it, it's uh, yeah. It, there's so many things that you can opt into these days with the with the internet, the interwebbers, the <laughs> all that these kids these days and their Twitter. And, but I mean. <laughs> So it makes it so much more important, I think, and so much more valid when someone does comment or know or pay attention. Yeah. 
the, awesome. I, I just randomly remembered this, and I'm, I, it's a Macrock memory, so I'm sorry. These are like all flowing back because I just think of the the uh, PC ballroom. But the uh, right. the we were, I was driving home. Remember when you'd have to like find a radio station with your like iPod to listen to it? It was like you had to find like a station that like wasn't staticky um to listen yeah 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 yeah. so we were driving and we found a thing and we were listening to lifetime and there was this car like really close behind us we were driving (laughs) north and we look back and they were like drumming and i look back i'm like why is it in time with the lifetime like we didn't it just didn't make sense and we like pause it and all of a sudden they all stop and look up and like throw their hands up like what are you doing and so we hit play again and they start like rocking out to like we were listening to jersey's best dancers and come to find out we like end up like pulling over and there was some traffic or something and they said yeah we've been following you guys for like 45 minutes we can't find a radio station and we were flipping around and heard lifetime and figured you know we should listen and we figured it was you so we ended up playing them all these new songs from the label I was working at that weren't out yet because we wanted their opinion. So literally, we're driving side by side, playing them songs they can't record. It was like they were getting their own like session. I think we played them like a new Bane song. Um, and they were like telling us, oh, that was cool, or that we didn't really dig that. But And then they ended up, you know driving away on like they went left or we, we went west and we were going north and whatever it was and that was it but that was like such a that would never happen everyone's like playing angry birds in the car now like everyone's in their own world <laughs> no that's so true you it's like a, the original version of turntable fm or something exactly <laughs> so that's pretty amazing pretty random so <laughs> sorry i just uh, that like popped in my head and i was like oh my no, god that's pretty cool <laughs> I haven't thought about that in forever. Um, is there any, you know, any other, you know, b- bands that you loved from that era that, you know, I mean, are you excited for the Promise Ring? We, cause that's big news now where they're yeah, just announced. It, I don't know if it's official yet, but I know that they're definitely. I mean, when you start a Twitter account, isn't that pretty yep. much? That's pretty much it. That was my assumption, and you know, I, that's great. I would totally love to see them again. And Did you come to Maritime? Always- What's that? Did you go to the Maritime show at at Knitting Factory? Not the most recent one. They... Uh, I think the last time I saw them was in um, back when back when North Six was still around. Oh wow! Yeah, they it's were been a while. they were releasing at Knitting Factory. They played for like an hour and forty five minutes. No way! It was <laughs> unbelievable. Like I think they were a little drunk, but like they kept playing. <laughs> And no one cared. Like, everyone was like, yeah. Well, no one cared, meaning no one cared that they kept going. Like, we're like, yeah, keep yeah. going. And you could see the happiness in them. And it wasn't like a premonition or it wasn't something where I thought it was going to happen. I totally didn't because technically Maritime's been around longer than Promise Ring. And right. it was just such a happy feeling to think that such good feelings came from that that they wanted to try it and who knows what the reasons are but I still think it's it's at the right time I don't know what you think yeah I know I totally agree and I think there's um I think that for a while there the only bands that were doing reunion shows were like we were saying earlier the bands that wanted to sort of just quick buck yeah and you know with uh Christy Front Drive and Kevin Jazz, and I feel like now there's this other trend where all these bands that maybe held off on doing that because they didn't want to seem like, you know, the Pixies or My Bloody Valentine or someone's just just kind of washed up and playing music just to make money. Uh, I think now there's this new precedent that all these smaller bands that would never do that can feel like they can uh, be seen, not, not as subs, but as people who are just honestly playing because they love playing together yeah and they're are going to be able to do that again which is really really great because it i was and even you know i was a pretty big archers of loaf fan in uh college and i don't know you went to college in north carolina so you must have at least been uh, oh for you know, sure and they played mac rock and they played mac rock. yeah <laughs> it's true that's true. But, uh, you know, I, I went to the, and, and I don't know who knows what the, the reasons behind them getting back together were, or, you know, playing this, this past year. 
were, but I just didn't, I went to see them and I was pretty excited because uh, I, I thought that they would be another one that would really, you would feel it, and I just didn't feel it with them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, if it was a money thing or if they if just some of the guys weren't as into it as some of the other guys or if, you know, Eric Bachman obviously has his own thing going on, but um, I'm excited about bands getting back together and just playing some one-off shows and, and like a tour and being just psyched to play together because it totally comes through totally, at least for me, I feel like it, it translates directly to how I'm going to enjoy the show. Exactly. I. One hundred percent. Like if it's, oh, two shows sold out. So then we're gonna play L.A. Now we're gonna play Chicago, and then we're gonna go on an right. East Coast tour. It's like, guys, I get it. It's I have no problem with you trying to do that, and if there's demand, do it. But it's just, I don't, I don't know. It, you're totally right. Like the Chrissy Front Drive show at the Bell House here. Yeah. Just you felt a connection, and you literally could close your eyes and say it's 1998. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were, I, they, honestly, that was just, that show totally surprised me because I, I, I was going into it sort of with low, low expectations and kind of expecting, uh, I don't know, like a a, reun- a band who's getting back together after so long just to kind of phone it in. But they did not. That was an amazing show. Yeah. Yeah, Eric is, <laughs> you definitely have to meet him at some point. He's uh, he's funny, he's, he's opinionated, and just like his his way of thinking just kind of fits with how his band is like they weren't you know they were so ahead of their time and you have to kind yeah. of be left to center to do that yeah 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 definitely so well cool well is uh is there you know definitely is there anything else you kind of thinking of from that era as I've have I've sparked your neurons from 1997 to 2002 <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is definitely a trip back it's uh <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things where I know so many people who kind of, not so many, that's, that's not true. I, I know some people who um, I feel like in a not positive way kind of still live in the past in that sense where college was this high point for them and everything since then is kind of, uh, you know, it's like the, the stereotypical like high school jock who yeah. now like works at the car dealership and his life is so sad and he you know, thinks of those glory days and scoring the, the game winning touchdown yep. and totally taking the cheerleader. But I feel like the, there was a lot of that kind of equivalent in the indie college scene because college was such an important, like, you know, growth, like point of growth for so many people, myself included. But, uh, and, and I feel like there are a lot of people who are kind of stuck there in that sense of like, that was the high point. And it's the same kind of thing you know, musically for some people where, um, you know, I, when I found your site, I, I kind of didn't know what to make of it, but uh, it was, uh, it's it's so refreshing to see someone appreciate the that kind of music and, um, but not be stuck there, be moving on at the same time, you know? Well, that's, I, I really appreciate that because it, there is a movement right now with so many new bands and they're all, like, they reference all the old stuff and they have, the knowledge of that point up so they might be referencing a little bit of mineral but then they love get up kids or they love my chemical romance whatever it is they're at least putting them together and they they have that history i'm not saying they have to but for they're coming from that right place and that's what was so upsetting i think in the early 2000s when this or even mid 2000s when it just got ridiculous and it was the hair and 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 cutting and and suicide and all these things that had nothing to do with you know where the actually came from and i think that's what the started it and i i'm glad you didn't just see the oh get up kids were awesome but hey here's this brand new band that sounds like x <laughs> you should probably I, check I, them I, out <laughs> yeah no it's totally true you know it took a really weird turn there in like the uh, early 2000s as far as like I, you know and I think a lot of it was you know, major labels seeing that the, there was uh, interest from people in this kind of music and what it's just really sad what it worked into from that I think yeah it was like the hair and the name and people were totally that's why I think this podcast wouldn't have started five in 2005 because everyone mm-hmm. would have been like no fucking way am I talking about that <laughs> Right, 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 right. I do not have want anything to do with that, but now I think it's kind of settled and people it really has turned where 
it's now I think people are understanding it and people that obviously are listening to this understand that it's kind of come back around and um, yeah that's the whole point I just I think it was a really important time and hopefully people find these bands and find some worth in them and sort of enjoy yeah, the, yeah. the time frame of when it was out it's totally true and I think it, it, it uh, it's really good timing too I mean the same I think it's the same reason that all these bands that you and I loved so much in the 90s are not getting back together, but playing music again in, in some in some sense, because, I mean, it's the same thing, like, the very word emo, like, uh, when it first got coined, people were so fucking pissed off if you called their band emo, or if you called them emo, because they hated what it what it suggested, that it was a motive punk, or that it was a motive hardcore, like, what the yeah. hell is that? But now, you know, you, those same people who are still around, some of them are still making music, I feel like can totally talk about it. No one would get offended by that. But it, it, for a while there, it was so volatile. And it was such a, like, don't call my band emo. Don't call me emo. But now, it, like, everyone's so removed that, yeah, we can talk about this being a, a legitimate musical genre. And, like, we can get our band back together and tour a little bit. And it's totally, it doesn't have to be, I don't know, so serious or so volatile. I think it was, I don't know if it's, like a band, they I feel like every band from that time frame got to a point where they kept trying to make records, removing themselves from it and making yeah. them more and more indie or more and more out there. And then kids yelling the first or second record, they would kind of give a dirty look. And then they realized that that's what we wanted to hear. And we got older and then got into the older records. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I feel You're like right. the, I feel like the Get Up Kids might be the kind of the interesting example for that because I feel like you would yell, you know, don't hate me or something at mm-hmm. during the on a wire tour and Matt would probably give you a dirty look. But now you can appreciate that and appreciate New Amsterdam's and it, it, they kind of get it. Wait, we need to play those songs now and we're okay with it again. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. I don't know if I'm completely yeah. right. No, I think you're right. I mean, I think it's it's I think it's both individuals sort of growing up and maturing, and the the whole and having a distance from like uh, being distanced both chronologically and uh, I don't know musically, I guess, and it being safe again and it being okay to kind of nerd out on the emo shit every now and then. Yeah, yeah. It's just... But yeah, I think it's great that there's this sort of collective understanding that it's okay to to like that kind of music and to like those songs that we that we liked back then. Yeah. So, yeah, and I think there's so many new bands, too. There's, like, I mean, Top Shelf Records is doing, and and I'm not saying it's emo labels, but the bands are kind of coming from, like, that era, and I think, um, like, a band called, like, the the Saddest Landscape, which is really, really dissonant and really screamy, but they've, they sort of like that stuff. Um, Just an interesting time, I think, where it's finally coming back around. (laughs) Yeah, 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 and hopefully, in a, you know, I, that kind of, uh, yeah, yeah that, that kind of, that, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but the, the thing that made, you know, like, emo music so uh, important to so many people, I think, is just, like, the, 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 the visceral connection that the the individuals in the band, like, put to the music and, and gave, like, the, the meaning that songs were given, uh, and both with the way people sang and the way people played the, the music, it was just all so real and, I don't know, it, it, I don't know if I'm making sense, but yeah. that, you know, the more the more of that we can put into today's music, I think, the better. Without, I mean, the, uh, without the pretentious emo star. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't tour buses, there weren't, there weren't any, like, wow, we're going to make a fuckload of money on this. Yeah, it was yeah, that it was, came from a different place, and yes, that thing. It's totally fine for you to make money and have tour buses and do all those things. But originally, when these bands were, I think, and obviously, I wasn't there. I wasn't in them. I was in a smaller band that had no idea or nowhere near these levels of the bands we're t- discussing. But they, it was just we're doing what we love, and we were listening to Jawbox. We were listening to, you know, these bands, and this is what we came up with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was totally done for the right reasons, which is great. Yeah. And, you know, that's, uh, I, there's so much, uh, obviously, so much talk about how crazy uh, change the music industry has gotten over the past, you know, few years, just really quickly. 
but I and so many people at first I feel like were really negative on it and just really negative on the fact that you know so much music was being stolen or you know how or obtained without paying for it and I think now like uh, people are starting myself included to sort of appreciate what it's doing to people in the music industry and what it's you know, it's making money less important. And so if someone's going to go out and start a band and someone's going to start writing music, they're not doing it because they're going to make a lot of money. Like, they're doing it because it's something they have to do or really want to do, which I think is really great. And you're investing time. You're investing, you know, the social networking, which wasn't around. You guys just needed to make a 7-inch and tour. Right, It wasn't like you had to update a Facebook page. Right, yeah. At the at the very most, you'd have a, a MySpace page that would take down PowerBooks. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> I'm telling you, I tried to listen to your record, and people, I, I'm gonna just so you know, guys, we're gonna get Speedwell to actually have a Facebook page because their MySpace page almost crashed my brand new computer. Um, so. Yeah, it literally took down Safari while I was talking with you. So. <laughs> that's awesome. It's it's a it's a technology killer. That's that's what that's what Speedball was about, man. We're taking down the establishment one MySpace page at a time. Uh, one 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 clear seven inch at a time. Uh, clear vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing like it. Well, uh, um, Troy, thank you so much for you know being on the podcast, and um, I'd love to have you out at one of the um, emo nights that we do in New York oh, yeah, City totally. here. Um, I'd love yeah. to have you DJ if you don't mind. Um, I will. I will give it a go. Cool. And uh, just so everyone knows, um, we've got you know the website washedupemo.com, the podcast that you are currently listening to. Um, we have a uh, emo night once a month in New York City at Idle Hands, which is called uh, "Do you, Do You Know Who You Are?" And it's the first Thursday of every month, and um, we have special guests every month, so it's always a good time. And um, I don't drink, so I can get you drinks um, if you're 21. And uh, so that's it. And hopefully uh, you listen um, more. We'll have more special guests. And uh, thank you so much for uh, listening.
Hello, Washed Up Emo fans. Thank you for listening to this podcast over the last nine plus years, or if it's your first time, welcome. It has flown by, and I appreciate each and every one of you for listening and for this current episode you're about to hear. I do have a favor of you. I have some books out right now called Anthology of Emo, and Volume 2 was released last fall. I really think you'll dig it if you haven't heard of them. It features guests from the podcast, including Jim Atkins from Jimmy World, Chris Conley from Saves the Day, Travis Shuttle from Piebald, and John Bunch from Sensefield. I've also reprinted Volume 1 so you can order both. Check out the DIY publishing at anthologyofemo.com.